0: Welcome to the Relentless Minds podcast with Lori Jimenez, a platform where influential entrepreneurs get real and share their stories of challenges in life that they've had to face head on and conquer in order to be where they are today. Here, you'll get an inside look at the adversities that these individuals have experienced or are currently dealing with, in addition to their opinions on real life matters and philosophies in life. Most importantly, you'll learn what it takes to have a relentless mind so that you too can stay headstrong in your pursuit of a better future. In this podcast, you're going to get 100% authenticity from people that have figured out how to beat the noise that society creates and have a higher level of self-mastery. Hey everybody, this is Lori with Relentless Minds. Today is going to be a special interview. It's going to be actually my personal story and you're going to learn all about my past, my painful experiences, and what brought the inspiration to create Relentless Minds podcasts and just in general, the Relentless Minds brand. I have with me my good friend, Susan, and she's going to be the one today to have this conversation with me. She was sweet enough to agree to get this started and and help me with this uh, journey of bringing this conversation, this experience, um, and episode to light so that you guys can all learn the story of the host behind Relentless Minds. (laughs) Thank you, Susan, for doing this. (laughs) My pleasure. You know, speaking for myself, I can say that
1: some of the thoughts that you are putting out onto your podcast have given me the impetus to take actions in my own life, and they moved me to address things that had been languishing. Yeah. So thank you for that. Yeah. And no problem. Your words have inspired me and I'm sure others like me who are afraid to act on things up until that point. So, mm-hmm. I just want you to know that you're making an impact to people closest around you too. Let me I want to touch upon Relentless
0: Minds as a project. How and why did you start this? So, my inspiration behind Relentless Minds was because of basically my past experiences. So, I had to go through a lot of soul searching really tapping into painful experiences in my past so that I could have, I could come to an area where I could deal with it in a positive light. Um, And the point of that is that during this journey of doing all of this, of that soul searching, I realized through the books that I was reading, like psychological books, that the main reason why people can't grow spiritually, emotionally, emotionally, um, is because they decide to push back these painful thoughts, these painful experiences. And so they don't actually tap into that pain um, and all of the learning lessons that come from that, right? So when I was learning this and realizing this and going through my own journey and realized how much growth and how much it benefited me to really look into those, to that past that I had, when I saw that exponential growth, Mentally emotionally and spiritually. I wanted this for other people too And it really requires an ability to be vulnerable and honest with yourself And so on my podcast relentless minds, that's why my motto is Own your story and create your life because once you're able to own embrace what you've been through and learn from that you're able to then start to see what you want in your life you know, like what you came from and now what you want differently. But it all requires that vulnerability, that openness, and embracing that those past experiences.
1: So if you were to describe what your story is,
0: what would you say? My story starts from like going way back. I was born into a very strict religion. I've come to now accept that it was a cult. And this religion... Um, growing up it was very controlling very strict I they you know controlled everything from like what you wore what you said what you saw your friends you know your friendships had to stay in had to be within the that religion the congregation you couldn't go out of that like school friends and stuff like that that was frowned upon Um, it was also very controlling as to you know even like dating relationships like every like and I can understand that to a certain extent but growing up like you had basically had a lot of pressure you were always under the limelight you always had to be in your best behavior you couldn't act like a kid you couldn't act like a teenager you know like teenagers have their acting out phases and all of that and that just kind of was like unacceptable in this religion you'd be disciplined they would make announcements Uh, and so basically i just realized like this whole perspective on on life was not what i wanted
1: like, if you had to describe when those things were starting to get clear in your head, when did that start? Like, what what was your life like as a little girl?
0: So, as a little girl, I actually was very, um, I was very conforming, so I had my two older sisters, you know, they're five and six years older than me, so I always looked up to them. And they always led the example of, you know, being righteous and, and being spiritual and we had a lot of family friends who were also very you know in the religion and they took part in like basically partly raising us it was like a little community right and so growing up like in my preteen years childhood years like I was very obedient it wasn't until like teenage years you know as any other teenager with like emotions and like impulses and stuff that i started to you know in quotations act out i got a boyfriend when i was 15 years old and this boyfriend like became it became an, a physical relationship and so we basically you know had a normal relationship to like society's eyes right but in this religion we felt like we were committing the biggest sins in the whole world did your mother and
1: your sisters know that
0: yeah no they didn't they didn't know that we were dating Um, This was all, like, low-key hidden, and, I mean, I remember, like, I think I had a, I did a better job at, like, hiding my, like, or, like, controlling my emotions, but my boyfriend at that time, like, he would, like, cry with how emotionally stressful it was for him, and, I mean, I did, too, but, like, I saw later on in life, like, I was really good at compartmentalizing my emotions and, like, you know, just putting them into a box and putting them on a shelf and closing the door and, like, not feeling, right, which kind of served me well later on when I decided to leave this religion, but, like, yeah, at that moment, I mean, that that was a lot of pressure, like, both of us that we were experiencing, and we dated, you know, from when I was 15 to when I was 18, and when I was 18, I decided that, uh, well, you know, a lot on his side, but we decided that we were going to get married, and that was, like, I guess, like, the first thing that's like something that honestly a lot of people don't know and me coming out and like saying this stuff is super you know and you know this we were talking about this like I've contemplated like am I gonna say this am I gonna tell this am I gonna share it and like the truth of the matter is yeah like because my whole the whole purpose for my podcast is for people to be vulnerable and and embrace everything right and like obviously I acknowledge that I need to set the example for that but this was a very specific and like I guess painful detail because I, I had no respect for that for a marriage you know at that time getting into it and getting out of it
1: so just in the in the time that you were I guess dating him from 15 to 18 how did you hide that like what did the two yeah. of you do to develop a relationship under the pressures of the religion
0: so I mean like we would we would plan out like when to see each other I would skip school a lot like we would both skip school a lot so that we could hang out that, that's actually funny because it's, it's funny you mentioned that because, like, and this kind of brings, like, it kind of taps into, like, how the whole religion thing was, but... So, we actually got caught when I was 15-ish, almost 16, and uh, we both skipped school together. My mom actually went with my sisters to my school to find me, to give me food. It was, like, a completely innocent approach. Like, they just were <laughs> like, let's have lunch with Lori, and they had food, and they came, and they couldn't find me. And the principal was like oh yeah Lori has actually been absent many many days and like they had my whole like many days. record yeah for sure hmm. that time when basically shit hit the fan and I was with him and they started texting me and calling me like where are you and it just like it got really ugly and basically they found out we were dating he was three years older than me so he was like 18 and I was like you know about to be 16 So, and my mom called the cops on him (laughs) and she was, yeah, she was, uh, she was not playing around and like, you know, obviously more extreme because of the whole religion thing. So she was emotionally like, like just distraught and everybody, I mean, like it's just so much because like you think that somebody killed somebody, you know what I mean? by like how everybody's face just falls like oh my god you're such a disappointment and like as a kid as a 15 year old and you're going to school and you all your friends are like dating and it's like nothing right Mm -hmm. and then like you you try to have a boyfriend or like even if you're not like doing anything intimate oh my god everybody looks at you like you've got you've just grown a a second head you know and it's just it's it's horrible. Like so it me involved looking a lot back. of lying too then, I'm sure. Huh? Right? It involved a lot of lying. Oh, for sure. We were lying like yeah, of course. Like that and it was like all secretive and um had to lie all the time. You know, like so if anything you learned that growing up. You know, that you can't you can't you can't be honest with your parents because like like even your emotions, like even like how you feel about stuff, like, Oh, I don't like that they said this in at, at church or whatnot and it's like you've got to agree with everything they say sort of mm-hmm. thing you know it's a very closed mindset and I just it wasn't for me and for me I was like thinking about progressing I, there was always something and and like this is me throughout life like I'm always looking at I'm always looking at growth you know and and even subconsciously even as a kid it's like I want more in life I want more out of life and and it's just it was been there always there inside of me so when I, and I, I would say like, you know, being in that religion, like when I was like 15 years old, thing, 14 years old, things started to change, where I started to rebel, you know, I got a boyfriend, and then I was lying, I was like, not studying, like these are big deals, right? I wasn't going to preach, because that's what they do, they preach, um, I just, you know, obviously I was conflicted, because I'm like, I'm not acting the way I should be acting, and I wasn't going to change it, because I that's like, I don't know, like that was just me, you know? and then we you know at 18 decided to get married and so this was actually a tough one and uh, i would say that that really made that shift in my mindset of like what did you do like Mm -hmm. this is is you like you're in this place in life where you felt so much pressure and so much discontent that you jumped into marriage like this is for life like this is no joke Um, So even,
1: so even the decision then to get married, like walk me through just those moments where the two of you said, let's get married.
0: This is going to be just the two of us. In this period of time too, um, my mom, she, and this is like, oh God, it's like uncomfortable. But like my mom, she had moved to North Carolina for work. And so she was in North Carolina for six months. And in that time, you know, I was able to see him um it was one day to the next that we decided that we were gonna make that decision and get married like we had literally been broken up the week before we got back together and then the following day he was like let's go get married and i was like you know what that's okay i guess we can do that because i was like he was all i knew and and the religion was all i knew so i was like you know your mindset is like so closed right it's like you don't really think there are other people in the world that you might want to be interested in <laughs> so I was just thinking about him and you know at that time my mom wasn't around where was your father my father is not around <laughs> so like he he I that's guess a he's never other, played a, yeah that's, that's like, a whole other layer of yeah it's like man my whole life's fucked up but it's okay <laughs> no but it's it was like okay so we got married and that that's when like to me it was like reality hit right so reality hit I was like you're married you made this decision based on all of this like this pressure that you felt like you were you felt control you felt like that was the only way out and that and that's when things got really unhealthy because I felt like I lost control I lost control of my life and I was probably never gonna gain it back because the, the whole thing with this guy too that I was with is that we weren't we weren't a good relationship we weren't a healthy relationship we would always argue you know, we couldn't see eye to eye in anything. And so we were constantly, constantly fighting. It was so unhealthy. And... So what made you think that you could have married him? Because I was 18 years old and stupid. Like, I was mm-hmm. just thinking I didn't want to sin anymore. This is the only guy... Like, for me, I was like... I wasn't even thinking long term. Mm-hmm. I wasn't even thinking long term of, hey, we potentially aren't going to be together anymore because I. this is how I thought. Look, nobody knew that we were having sex, Okay. So I was thinking, I'm like, we're going to need to confess this. And that's going to be a lot of pain. So instead of confessing it and dealing with the pain of disappointment with everybody getting disfellowship potentially, which is where they, like, announce you as, like, being renounced, like, they renounce your, your privileges, right? Mm-hmm. I was like, instead of all of that, let's just get married. Let's hide it under the table or, like, under the rug. And, like, I had sex with you, so I'm like, I'm probably going to be with you for the rest of my life sort of thing, right? Because yeah. they're like, don't have sex until you get married. So if I had sex with you, you're going to be, like, it. That religion is like, you preserve yourself until marriage. And so I was like, well, that happens. So you're going to be the one, even though I'm not happy with this and everything, that you're going to be the one I'm with for the rest of my life. So, and this is actually, it goes into like the, the next phase of my life where I left. But after we got married, two months after, I met a guy. And we just hit it off. You know, and we were talking, it was great. And I was like, man, you and I have a much greater dynamic than the guy that I married to you know? And then I was thinking, I was like, dang, I'm like, I'm freaking like trapped. You know? I'm like, I don't, we didn't even like, nobody knows that we're married. We literally just paid this guy $50 to marry us. I'm 18 years old. And I was like, what am I doing with my life? Like I flipped out and it wasn't even like that guy was like, oh my god, this is like the guy of my dream sort of thing. I was just like, man, I can't even, like, I don't, like, I just cut off my life right now. Like, I'm done. Like, there is nothing else, no potential for anything else or growth or anything. I'm, I'm not happy with this guy, you know, and it's like, I'm not happy with the position that I am in my life. And I need to make a change. So the thing that really broke that was that my 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 ex-husband, um, he found out that I was talking to this guy. And we weren't doing anything, but... We would like go out, have lunch, you know, and um, I was texting him. So essentially, yeah, I was interested in somebody else and having a relationship outside of that. Right. But in this time, though, simultaneously, when I started to have feelings for this other dude, I was telling my my husband, (laughs) I was telling him I wanted a divorce and I was telling him I wanted a breakup. Like, I don't want to be in this anymore. And I couldn't even do that. And like, and they, uh, the religion has another sort of level of what can constitute like a right to divorce. And that would be either death or adultery. Like if you divorce and it's not one of those two reasons, you're technically still married. So he's like, well, you know what's going to have to happen. And I was like, you literally, we can't just go and file the papers. And he's like, no, it has to be one of those. I'm like, wow. Wow. Like, yeah. so it couldn't even be a simple, like, divorce. Like, it had to be, like, someone had to cheat. So? So it was ben, me. Man, it was you. To make that happen. And that, that really put me in a in a bad place in my life. Because, like, in this whole time period, that when that was happening, when I decided, I was like, then it's going to be me. He's like, okay, then I'm going to tell the elders what's going on. Like, everything that's going on. That we got married. That we've been, like, lying and... Having sex. And your mother and your sister still did not know? No, nobody knew anything. Um, and actually this was a, the, the tough part because when all of this happened, that conversation with him in, a car, in the car, when I decided, okay, well then I'm going to be the one to commit this adultery so that we can get a divorce. And then he's like, well then I'm going to tell the elders and I'm going to tell them like tonight. He's like, I'm going to message them or whatnot and I'm going to tell them. And I didn't say a thing when he said that. All I knew I was, like, my life, my whole world is kind of, like, caving in on me right now, and this is too much to handle. That same night, right, before he came and we talked about this, that same night, like, I guess late afternoon, my mom had come back from North Carolina. So she left her job because my sisters had been telling her, how can you leave Lori by herself? Like, she's too young. Like, you shouldn't be in North Carolina working, and, and, and Lori's by herself at home. So they basically you know, like guilt tripped her to coming back. So that, so she left her job over there. She moved back. She moved back that same day and she went, she was like, okay, well, I'm here. I'm going to go visit Winifred, my, my oldest sister for the night, like for the weekend or whatnot. And so she, you know, she arrived that day. She packed like a bag and then she went to go visit my sister and stay over there for the night. Then later on, you know, my, my ex showed up. We had that conversation. And then that's when I was like, I need to get out of this. So that was the freaking pivotal moment where I was like, I'm, I'm out. So that whole night I spent, after that conversation, he left, you know, he was going to tell the elders, message him, whatever. And the elders are like the, the superiors in the congregation, right? That whole night I spent packing. I packed cardboard boxes. I mean, like I packed all my clothes, everything I would need. In the morning, woke up really early. I packed my car and I ran away. I left. I didn't tell anybody Um, He didn't even know because I didn't tell him I was going to do this. And so nobody knew. And I went to stay with the guy that I had been talking to. And for two weeks, I think I only, they were looking for me. Nobody knew where I was, right? And for two weeks, like, I just, I didn't go to work because they would show up to work and try to see me. And I would just, you know, I was incognito. (laughs) Nobody knew where I was. Uh, I did message my mom, though, and I would just tell her, I was like, hey, I'm okay. You know, that's all that's all I can tell. That's all I'm going to tell you is I'm okay. But at that point, I mean, like I became stone cold, like that whole compartmentalizing thing I told you about. I did that hardcore where my sisters and my mom and like everybody like reaching out to me, reaching out to me, friends reaching out to me. And I was just like cold. I had this this thing in my head. I was like, I need to get through this. I just need to be out of all of this for a while. I was thinking I'm like, I'm going to clean myself up you know, like, and then I'm going to come back after a year and I'm going to be a completely different person. And nope. Like the whole fact that I hurt them, like I knew I hurt them a lot, it made me spiral downwards. And so that following like year, year and a half, that was the worst period of my life. Like where I was emotionally, mentally, like I had a very low self-worth and low self-respect. And I... Did not face any of that. Like, any time I thought of anything, it would hurt so much. I would, like, push it away. Like, any memories. Where were you living? Um, I, I moved in with him for a little bit, like, maybe a couple of weeks. And then I, I got my own place. But by this time,
1: that meant that you were entirely alone. Because then your mother, your sisters, then your friends,
0: mm-hmm.
1: all part of the church. Because that was basically your yeah, world, right? Yeah, for sure.
0: And that was the thing. All left you yeah exactly so that's a good point with this religion you know they they disfellowship you which is what I did so I basically ran away I renounced a lot of people don't do that (laughs) like they're like trying to fix themselves and then they're like nope sorry you're disfellowshipped I was like I want nothing to do with this and I left and so you know they made their announcements and everything I wasn't at the meetings because they announce you like in front of the whole congregation like this person is disfellowshipped and so everybody knew and i'm like that's so stupid you know like it's just so it's crazy everything about that is so did stupid. you have any friends outside the fellowship uh no i didn't not not close friends so i was like that was my life that I, people i grew up with and stuff like that i lost my whole family like i lost my my sisters like and even up till now you know it's been five years since i spoke to them um, i actually just reached out to them this weekend though <laughs> they reacted the same way that the way that i would expect them to which was like they're, they're gonna keep their resolution to not speak to me unless I go back. Did you try reaching out to friends too? No, not to friends. No, I think my biggest thing was more so like I just for now I mean i honestly i, I don't have any sort of feelings for any of those people anymore other than my family and like and, and for me, it's kind of like the perspectives just there probably wouldn't even be my friends anymore because like the main foundation there was this belief in this God and this this way of life, you know. But in real life, they probably wouldn't be my friends. Or I wouldn't have chosen them to be close friends. So, uh, yeah, so that that was that time when I left. And I was living on my own, you know, working full-time. And I was going to school full-time because I was working on getting my prerequisites to be a hygienist. And that was my goal. So that helped me to stay distracted. I also, like, would date. And that was, like, to fill vo- a void. Like, I felt like I needed affection, you know? I mean, the thing that strikes me about all of that traumatizing period is
1: your entire world in a matter of an overnight yeah changes. for real everything you knew about your family everything you knew about your social life is now gone different yeah so you're starting at 18 like it's a brand new life
0: Mm. Exactly. And I started it off in a very bad light. Like it was not a like, oh my God, look at my life. Like, hey, I get to control the rest of my life. I was in a horrible, horrible place mentally and emotionally. I mean, I was in the pits, you know, and I felt so much remorse. I felt so much guilt. I felt so much pain. And it was just like it was I I, I could not cope with it at 18 years old on my own. Like I couldn't cope with it properly. So like basically that's what I did for a year and a half. I just, you know, filled it up with boyfriends and I was so carefree in that time. I was just like super friendly and like I wasn't, I didn't care about anybody. Like I didn't, like all these people I met, I literally told them straight off the bat. I was like, I'm not looking for anything serious, you know? And and then when, when like they develop feelings, because it's something funny about guys. They're like, you tell them you don't want anything to do with them and they're like, then they start coming like, I don't want you in my life. And I'm like, uh. so And then when you tell them, hey, you know, I'm thinking I'm interested in you. They're like, oh, my God, I'm running away. Um, But in yeah, in that time, like everybody I met, I would just be like, you know, not looking for anything serious. And it happened where they'd catch feelings and I would like cut it off because it me like still trying to be somewhat, you know, caring. I was like, I didn't want to get any feelings mixed up into them mix. So I would cut it off and then I'd go on and look for another boyfriend or another date or fling or whatever you call him, you know? And so I did that for a year and a half. And then I met, you know, the next phase of my life was that I met a guy who became very, very interested in me and pursued me. And I wasn't looking for anything serious. And I, and I was uh, talking to somebody else before I met that guy. And we were kind of like, and I actually had feelings for this dude before like that I, I actually had developed feelings for this guy and that's why we ended it. But what happened was that the guy that pursued me that you know I ended up being in a relationship with for a long time, nearly 3 years, he didn't see, I guess the red flags in me and he was really trying to see if things could work, but I was, you know, selfish and I didn't care. I didn't think about like loyalty, like I didn't value that. So essentially, you know, we decided to, to go into a relationship And even though I told him, I was like, you know, I'm not looking for this, I'm not looking for that, like, I still eventually agreed, you know, I was like, fine, I'll be exclusive. And I wasn't. And that happened for two months. I was still dating another guy, the guy that I had developed feelings for prior to him. And um, I lied about it for four more months after it all ended, because obviously, like, two months, and I was like, okay, this needs to stop, I feel guilty, and then four months later, I, I ended up confessing because my that my that boyfriend he he said he always had a hunch you know like that I had been shady and was always like those first six months and like he told me this later Did he say you were shady oh hell yeah I mean he told me all sorts of things but right. like those first six months like he like he would say things okay so like he would say things and he didn't even know the truth, right? But he later on I'd be like, "Look, you didn't even know that I that I had done something shady or that I cheated on you and you were still telling me stupid shit." And he's like, "Yeah, that's cuz I had a hunch, I had a feeling and whatever." But he would literally say things like the first 6 months before I even confessed. So you can imagine how bad things got. But he would say, "Oh, I like these underwear." Like these this pair of underwear. Okay, this is explicit, but he was like, "I wonder I wonder how many guys have seen it." Yeah. Yeah, and that's like an example. And I'm just like, what the hell? Like, he would always make these sort of like comments, like just kind of lashing out. Okay, because this guy did not have experience uh, with with partners like I did. So it was a lot of he he was jealous to begin with, and he had insecurity issues till a fricking like past the ceiling. And so like all of that was not a healthy mix. And obviously he didn't trust me. And then when I confessed that, oh my God, opened the doors to a bad, bad, bad scenario so he would call me everything under the moon you know always and in the first year after that he would be it would be frequent it would be like every other day it would be a few times a week where he was calling me names like he would just get so angry and so he would always like you know slot whore likes he would say nobody cares about you like nobody respects you and I felt so much guilt that I took it like I this was not me as a person like you know you see me like I'm very confident and I'm like speak my mind I became a fucking puppet in that time like I just shut up you know and he made sure of that like I I had no voice I had no say like and he guilt tripped me so well that and I was already guilty right I already felt guilty to the point where I was like I'm gonna prove you wrong I'm gonna show you this is not who I am Because I I had already, like, all this guilt, right, that was bottled up from when I left the religion. I hurt my family. I hurt my ex-husband, right? Like, I had all of that. So, Mm -hmm. So then when I hurt him and he was telling me again and again, I'm hurt, I'm hurt, I'm hurt, I'm hurt. Like, you're a piece of shit, this and this and that. I wanted to, like, take care of him. Like, I wanted to show him, like, this isn't me, this isn't me. Like, and internally, I needed that for myself.
1: But you also, on some level, were believing it
0: yeah and I believed it and I believe I mean because it was like he said it so much and the guilt that you felt from it was it was a horrible family. it was a horrible combination of it was a it was a cocktail of like brutal submission, you know like mm-hmm. where I was like guilty and then he was like basically, if you're trying to show me that you care and that you're not like this, this is everything you have to do and you have to take it so that was that relation for a year after I confessed, you know, the whole relationship lasted like a two, like two and a half years, nearly three years. And that was like the first year and a half. It was so unhealthy. It was so bad. And then I started to, I started to speak up because like something inside of me, I was just like, I can't deal with this anymore. I would do a lot of meditation when he would lash out at me. You know, I would like cry. Obviously I did had a lot of crying, crying sessions at the time. And like, I would just think, Like, is there a better life for me? You know? I'm like, I'm in such a shitty position right now. I'm such in a shitty place. I'm like, can I possibly... Like, is there a man that would be better for me? Like, is there a place where I'd be happier? Like, and I just think, I'm like, is this really my life? You know? And I remember just kind of thinking about this stuff when things got, you know, bad. And... Like I just, I just decided, I was like, you know what? Like I'm working on my thing and I'd go to the gym a lot. Like I do things to like make myself feel better. You know, I'd go to the gym. I'm like, I'm, I was accepting to the hygiene uh, program at that point. And I'm like, these things were like adding value to me. Right. So instead Mm -hmm. of me feeling that value internally, I needed external
1: validation
0: validation for that. Yeah. Like, so I was like always trying to be the best at at everything. Like I, I, for me, it was like being well-rounded, but it was really like these external accomplishments were validating my self-worth right Mm -hmm. and I started to I I did start just realize you know like I don't want this for my life this isn't for me so the decision to break up I mean I had already been mentally like getting to that point where I was just fed up because I honestly lost all respect for this guy I think and now I'm realizing that that in this time in my life like how important this like respect for the other person is like you lose that man you've got nothing you know and so while I was kind of working up to that decision what really ultimately made that that call for me was I was going I was actually going into real estate, and um, you know I had my hygiene degree, uh, I had been a hygienist for a few months, and I mean it was good money and all that, but there there was like limited growth potential, right? Plus I don't like being an employee, uh, I don't like being told what to do, so. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I know that's it's, clear <laughs> I was like I'm out of here no yeah. but <laughs> there's one thing about you it's that so I was going into real estate and he had an issue with my potential for like male interaction right and keep in mind this guy was so insecure and so jealous that if I was going to an event like let's say like a networking event where I was going to like even the classes that real estate agents have like the training classes if i was to be done at 6:30 he would be calling me at 6:30 and if i didn't pick up and this happened frequently but be one incident if i didn't pick up called him back 15 minutes later what were you doing you know were you talking to a guy why were you talking to a guy like i could not talk to i would get freaking freaked out if a guy tried to talk to me i would feel guilty cuz he didn't want me doing that but then he would he would do this all the time if i would talk to a guy or it was a lapse of time for me to get back to him, he would immediately assume I had sex with that dude. I mean, we're talking about like a guy that I might've just met two seconds before. Like that's how low he considered me and like my respect for myself. Like he thought I was a fucking tramp. And so even though he wouldn't speak to me, he wouldn't call me a slut or all these words that he was saying frequently but in the beginning of a relationship, even though he wouldn't say that, his actions on how he expected me to respond to people, to to the male sex, it showed me he still felt that way about me Mm -hmm. and so that was the shit I could not deal with I was like that is horrible like who can live with that and so he made this rule that he didn't want me you know and keep in mind I was becoming a real estate professional okay where your whole freaking job is to network with people and build relationships and all of that right but he said I don't want you talking or working, having as clients, or doing business with men that are under 50 years old. I remember there was a guy, and we had this conversation on my way to the gym. There was a guy who was a loan officer, and I was networking. Like, I was on LinkedIn, and I was, like, super hyped up. I would, like, add, like, a 100 people every day, like, that were loan officers or whatever. And I was always looking for for females, right? And, uh, but there was this one loan officer that connected with me. It was a recommendation from somebody there. And I was like, yeah, I think he's 50. He looks old enough. And I told him, I was like, not a big deal. I mean, he's married. He's got a kid. He's like, oh, yeah, just because he's married doesn't mean he's going to try to hit on you. Wow. Yeah. Like, I mean, yeah, you can think about yeah. that from anybody. Okay? And... And then he got upset. He's like, no. He Looked up, looked up, did his research, found out he's like 40-something. He's not 50. You can't do business with him. Wow. He's... Uh, that conversation was on my way to the gym. At the gym, my friend Fika, we were working out. I was telling her about all of this. She's like, this is not cool. Like, that is not healthy at all. Mind you, we were nearly three years into our relationship. hmm And i was like while she was telling me i was getting amped up i was getting so angry i was like man realizing all this bullshit in my life i was like i can't deal with this no like man i'm trying to become successful i'm like you know like he's only thinking about himself and his insecurities he's not thinking about my growth as a person in business whatever selfish right so i was like all amped up and at the end of the workout you know i was like thinking oh my god like i was angry And we got on the phone and I, and he was still fighting about this, this loan officer. And I'm like, are you serious? Like, you're not going to drop this? Yeah. It's either that or you're single. I'm like, oh, is that right? And he's like, yeah, like that. I'm serious about this. And I'm like, okay, well then that concludes this episode. If you enjoyed it, feel inspired and would like to hear more, please subscribe to the Relentless Minds podcast via the link in the show notes or visit Lori Thank you so much for listening until next time.